my name is Chloe, and I've been coming to Grace City Church for about 16 years, um, and I've been worship leading here for about five years. And when I was praying about what I wanted to share with you this morning, I felt God stir me about worship. So I'm excited that I get to preach to you this morning about something that I am so passionate about. But before I do, I have a question for you. Have you ever started something new, maybe it was this time last year, and kind of really got stuck into it, but maybe within a few weeks found that it just wasn't working for you? Maybe it was a new diet or exercise regime, or maybe you were trying to learn a new instrument, and you put loads of effort in, and then you just thought, you know what, this isn't working for me. Well, a few months ago, Sam and I had our third daughter, Amelia. Well, actually, I had her you know, I, but, um, and I was very blessed to have Sam off work for five weeks to parent with me at home. And one of the things that he did was take our girls down to Bunnings, buy some soil and some seeds and plant a little herb garden on our balcony and two little watering cans, Summer and Rachel, three and a half and one and a half would go out there with their watering cans, water their herbs every day, very diligently, and they loved it. But, you know, those five weeks came to an end, much to Sam's relief, and off to work he went, and the task of, you know, supervising our passionate gardeners fell to me. So usually in the morning, you know, mid-breastfeed, the girls would be like, Mom, Mom, we want to water our plants. And I'd be like, all right, go get the chair. So they'd, like, drag the chair into the kitchen, fill up the watering can in the kitchen, and drip, 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 drip drip all the way across the carpet to the balcony and water the plants. Mum, we need more water. All right, go on then. Drip, drip, drip. And they've got dirt on their shoes now. So. And fill it up again. And drip, 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 drip. And fill up their water. They fill up the, the soil. Now, look, I am all for, like, nature. I make a bit of mess when you've got young kids. You can't be too precious. But after about four weeks... I looked in these pots and I was like, there is nothing growing in here. <laughs> so I had a little chat to Sandra, member of the Gardening City group, and told her about what was happening. And she confirmed for me my suspicion that those seeds were dead. So that afternoon I went home and probably less empathetically than I should have, announced to my girls, sorry, your seeds are dead, we're moving on to other things, and put the, the, flowering, the watering cans away. I wonder if you have ever felt that way about what we do here on a Sunday morning. Maybe throw in a few kids or a busy job or some sickness, mental illness. You've got a lot on your plate. Maybe you've been serving in the sound team every second week for five hours every second Sunday. And to be honest, coming to church has felt a little bit like having my little girls come to your house and trample dirt all over your carpet. And if you don't see some seeds popping up with some fruit soon, you're going to do exactly what I did and put those watering cans away. And you're going to find something way more enjoyable to do with your Sunday morning. So why do we do this? That is our question this morning. Why do we come together in all that it costs us and worship together? We're going to have a look at what David had to say about this in one of the Psalms. 
But before we do that, why don't we pray? Can you pray with me? Father, I just pray you would open our hearts this morning to hear from you, to see you in all that we do here together. Lord, would you speak through me? Holy Spirit, would you come and just bring revelation in this room this morning? Father, we want to know you better. We want to serve you better. We don't want to waste our time doing things that we don't need to do. Lord, we want to know you. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles. I don't have a PowerPoint. There was no time for that. So (laughs) grab your Bibles or grab your phones. Pop your phone on airplane mode if you've got a phone because we're on a journey this morning. And we're going to have a look at Psalm 22 and we're going to start at verse 22. Made it nice and easy for you. I'm going to use the Passion Translation, this lovely Bible that my husband bought me. I'm loving the Passion Translation at the moment, Um, but any version will do. This is a psalm written by David about a thousand years before Jesus was born. And David was somebody who knew the highs and lows of life. Okay, one second he's being picked on by his seven older brothers, and then the next second he's chief worshipper for the king. And then the next second the king's trying to kill him, and then he's king himself, and then he sees a nice woman next door, and he sleeps with her, and he gets her pregnant, and then he kills her, his, uh, her husband. You know, David knew the ups and downs. He even lost his son. And yet David is somebody that we can learn so much about worship from, because he just lays it all out before God. If you want to talk about vulnerability and authenticity, David is your guy. Okay, so let's grab verse 22. And we're going to have a look at what David had to say about praise and worship. I will praise your name before all my brothers. As my people gather, I will praise you in their midst. Lovers of Yahweh, praise him. Let all the true seed of Jacob glorify him with your praises. Stand in awe of him, all you princely people, the offspring of Israel. For he has not despised my cries of deep despair. He is my first responder to my suffering. And he didn't look the other way when I was in pain. He was there all the time. Listening to the song of the afflicted. You're the reason for my praise. It comes from you and it goes to you. And I will keep my promise to praise you before all who fear you among the congregation of your people. I will invite the poor and broken, and they will come and eat until satisfied. Bring Yahweh praise, and you will find him. Your hearts will overflow with life forever. So up until this point in the psalm, the first 21 verses that we haven't read, what we actually have is David pouring his heart out to God in suffering. He uses phrases like, God, why have you forsaken me? And then verse 22 comes, and bam, praise. Because he knew that in every circumstance, verse 24, God did not look the other way. God was there all the time. A natural response for us sometimes in suffering can be to pull back from God. But David could see that God was there that God was in it. And he wasn't going to pull back, but he was going to press in further. 
David chose to praise. And he didn't just choose to praise at home in the shower or in the car on the way to work. He chose to praise, verse 1, with all his brothers. Verse 22, sorry, the first one of my verses. He chose to praise with all the congregation. David's commitment was for corporate praise. Why? Because he knows that it's important for us to share God's goodness with each other as well. We're told in Deuteronomy 4 verse 9 that we shouldn't let God's goodness pass through to the, that we need to make sure the next generation knows about God's goodness. And David knew that. If God has done testimony in your life, share it. How encouraging is it when you hear about what God has done in each other's lives? You know, we went to um, a church when we were on holiday, and before the preach, they got four people up just to share testimony of what God had done in their lives that year. Like before the preach had even come, everybody in that room was like, yes, God is so faithful. God comes through on his promises. So if you've got something that you want to share, share it. Share it with your kids. If you don't have kids, maybe do the youth group. You know, if you want to work on the youth group, please contact Hugh because they need some people. But share it with the next generation. Share it with each other. And then it's so encouraging when we know what each other are going through. And then we stand in this room together and we praise God. You know, I know for me, if I know that Sam, my husband's had a hard week and yet he chooses to praise, it stirs me to praise. And when you're standing next to somebody and you know what they're going through and they're praising, you go, yeah, come on, let's do this together. We're in this together. Hebrews 10.15 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do you know someone wrote that for me on a birthday card once? Like, Hebrews 10.15. And I was like, ooh, what's this? Thinking it was like some, like, Chloe, you're a great woman of God. And then I opened it, and I was like, oh, maybe they got it wrong. Like, this doesn't say anything. It just says, let us not neglect meeting together. Like, okay. But do you know, that verse has stuck around me like a bad smell ever since. Because every time I feel tired, vulnerable, self-conscious, just pretty much over it, I'll go, well, maybe I won't go to church this morning. Maybe I'll just stay home. And then this verse pops up and goes, let us not neglect meeting together as some people do. And I'm like, all right. But you know, it's, it's no surprise that the enemy doesn't want us here, you know. He wants to isolate us. He wants to distract us. He wants to get you on your own where he can then just feed you lies, you know. Hand them out. You're a failure. You're a bad mum. You're no good at your job. You don't have anything to offer at church. And if you stay by yourself, you're at risk of believing that those lies are the truth. But when you come here, we want to be a people that when you hear those lies, you go, hold on. Do you know what God says about that? That's not true. You have purpose. You're of value. And you come together and we start giving each other life. Verse 26 says, Bring Yahweh praise and you will find him. Your hearts will overflow with life forever. We want to be a people that speak life 
into each other. But we can't do it if we all stay at home believing lies. You've got to come together and give each other a chance. You know? And when we stand here and we sing the truth of God, you start to realize that what you're hearing in your head are just big, fat lies. And you start speaking the truth. And we do that together. I reckon you should all write that on every birthday card you write this year. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 15. Bring Yahweh praise and you will find him. Your hearts will overflow with life forever. In verse 25, David says that he made a vow to promise God, to praise God. He made a vow, a promise, to praise God with other believers. Do you know why we make promises? It's because in our human nature, we sometimes know that unless we hold ourselves accountable, we're not always going to pull through. Like when somebody makes a marriage vow, it's not because every day it's going to be really easy. It's because after the honeymoon, you face sickness, you face financial difficulties, you face wrinkles, you have arguments, but you've made a choice that you're going to love each other. As part of our vows, Sam and I actually promised to pray with each other and to pray for each other. And it's really hard to pray with somebody that you're cranky with. <laughs> but it's so good for us, because every time we do it, it gets our eyes off ourselves, and it gets us focused on God. David knew that choosing to praise did the same thing. It gets your eyes off yourself and gets you focused onto God. And refocusing on God is so good for us. When I was a teenager, somebody said to me, praise until you feel like praising. And it was kind of a weird idea at the time, but I started putting it to practice. And week after week, I started to notice that after I had put in my part, my decision to praise, I wasn't dragging my feet anymore. You know, you get caught up in who God is, what he has done, and what he's going to do. Like when I was at uni, I used to go running a lot, and I chose to go first thing in the morning. But every time that alarm went off at six, I'd be like, oh, do I really want to go? And then I would think about the day before, and I would remember that 10 minutes into that run, I felt alive. And so then I'd be going, do I really want to go? Yeah, because I'm going to like it once I get out there. But sometimes you have to make a decision that your heart doesn't feel like at the time. Sometimes you've got to choose to do something. And every time I got out there, I was always happy with my choice to go running. And in the same way, when you make a choice to praise God, you make a head decision, but your heart will catch up. Once you start declaring how good God is and who he is, it's not an effort anymore. Can you start praising? Can you start singing? Can you start shouting? You know, sometimes when you've got a lot of lies, shouting's really good because then you can't hear them. Can you commit to just start? Now, some of you might be sitting there thinking, 
All right, Chloe, this is a nice idea. But really, this phenomenon you are referring to is called endorphins. You know, you felt good when you went running because the endorphins get pumping. You know, when you sing a few songs, you start to feel happy. You know, anyone who's been part of a choir can tell you that, you know, you start to feel good after a little while. Okay, well, that's a very valid question. Maybe David just loved music, and that's why he wrote about it a lot. Well, actually, I've cheated a little bit on Psalm 22. I skipped the first 21 verses. And what I haven't told you about Psalm 22 is that it contains 33 prophecies about Jesus Christ. In that even though David wrote it a thousand years before Jesus, he was describing how Jesus' clothes were going to be torn, how Jesus was going to be thirsty, how Jesus was going to be feeling forsaken. But then suddenly it gets to verse 22 and David's like, I'll praise you with all my brothers. Why is there this sudden shift from suffering to triumph? Well, the footnote in my beautiful Bible says, in between verse 21 and verse 22 is the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ and victory is sounded forth. Jesus. See, David knew when he was making this promise that there was something, someone greater to come. And David was prophesying about the Messiah. And he made a promise to praise, not because it released some endorphins, but because he knew the God who held eternal life. Bring Yahweh praise and you will find him. Your hearts will overflow with life forever. Not just whilst you're here, forever. Promising to praise God makes even more sense when you can see Jesus. Promising to praise God makes so much more sense for us than it would have done for David because we live on the resurrection side of this story. Because Jesus is the one who was sent from heaven to bridge the gap between God and us. What sin had broken, Jesus fixed. It is finished, Jesus said as he died on the cross. It is finished. But then death couldn't even hold him. Death was totally powerless over our mighty God. And Jesus rose from the third day, and it is finished, declared an end to sin, getting in the way of our relationship with God. And with Jesus' resurrection, we see that death has no place here, and we stand in eternal life. There's a song that we sing that's got the lines like, Hallelujah, Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah, Christ is risen from the grave. All throughout eternity, our song will be the same. Hallelujah, Christ is risen from the grave. And when we got sent that song to like process and go, is this a good song for our church or not? I listened to it over and over again because I was like, is that all we're going to be singing? Like surely in heaven there's like more for us than just that line. And I thought about it for a few days actually. Because I was like, can we sing this? Is this okay for us to sing? And I felt God say, yeah. Because 
No, we're not going to be singing Phil Wickham on repeat when we get to heaven. Thank God. But actually, the reason we can sing anything is because Christ is risen from the grave. The essence behind everything we're ever going to sing is because Christ is risen from the grave. So yes, we are going to be declaring Christ is risen from the grave. We stand in eternal life forever because of Christ. Let's go back to my little plant story. You see, before Sandra declared my seeds dead, she asked me a few questions, like, where are your plants? And I said, oh, they're on the balcony. And she said, well, how much sun do they get? And I said, oh, a little bit in the morning. She said, mm-mm-mm, the morning sun's not strong enough. You see, the thing that my seeds needed for existence was missing. They weren't getting enough sun. And maybe if you could relate to what I was talking about at the start, that coming week after week, and you feel like you're doing all the right human things, some of you have even showered, and you just keep putting in all the effort, and yet you're just not seeing any fruit, I want to ask you, have you been getting enough sun? S-O-N. Have you been getting enough Jesus Christ is risen from the grave, spoken into your heart. Are you getting that victory and that power in your heart enough? Because we're not trying to just drown out your circumstances with loud noise and get the endorphins racing in this room. We're trying to get the power of Jesus Christ into your heart so that we can stand here and go, God's got it. Whatever I've brought into this room today, God has got it. And whatever you've brought into this room today, God's got it. And whatever we're going to face as a church, God's got it. Why? Because Christ is risen from the grave. And there's nothing that we're going to face individually or as a church that God doesn't know about and that God isn't big enough to take control of. So actually this morning, we're going to put it into practice and we're going to praise together. But can I challenge you to make a commitment like David? Can you promise to praise? Do you feel like you could do that? Because it's so awesome when you start doing something and you start to see the fruit. Can you commit to letting your head make a choice to praise and letting your heart catch up. What does this look like practically? Make a commitment to prioritize coming here together and worshiping together. Every week you can, I would encourage you to come because it encourages me, it encourages each other and it's gonna encourage you. However you're feeling, on a Sunday morning, if you can be here, come. And make a commitment, number two, that once you're here, you engage. Sometimes there's distractions. I want to encourage you to position yourself, just like I needed to move my seeds out into more sun, I want to position yourself in a place where you can receive as much as possible. 
For some of you, it might be something simple like the time that you arrive or where you choose to sit or who you choose to sit next to. And then the third thing I have to challenge you with is can you make a commitment to praise? Start using your mouth to declare that God is good, that he has done great things, that he will do them again. To start praising because Christ is risen from the grave. Because we have a God who's bigger than anything we're ever going to face. I want to invite you to stand. And we're going to praise together. We're going to worship together. We've still got all the time to do that. And we're going to put this into practice together. And I'm going to read this psalm, just these four verses and the last verse together. Are you guys ready to praise? I'm seeing a lot of blank faces. Are we up for this? Yes? <laughs> All right. From verse 22. I will praise your name before all my brothers. As my people gather, I will praise you in their midst. Lovers of Yahweh, praise him. Let all the true seed of Jacob glorify him with your praises. Stand in awe of him, all you princely people, the offspring of Israel. For he has not despised my cries of deep despair. He was my first responder to my sufferings. And he didn't look the other way when I was in pain. He was there all the time, listening to the song of the afflicted. You are the reason for my praise. It comes from you. It goes to you. And I will keep my promise to praise you among all who fear you among the congregation of your people. I will invite the poor and broken, and they will come and eat until satisfied. Bring Yahweh praise, and you will find him. Your hearts will overflow with life forever. And verse 31, his generations yet to be born will glorify him, and they will all declare, it is finished. <laughs> 